0: Yes he is. He is Lord. Yes. Glory. If I can't preach I can't preach after that, Todd, my wood's wet. <laughs> I want to know how many of you here tonight I have been your pastor or your teacher at some church over the years. Would you just raise your hand if I've been your pastor, your teacher, your minister? Amen. Uh, the thing that I say about David Schaffner, yeah, I love you. And people that know me, it doesn't take them long to know the way I treat them. I care about them. I love them. Amen. And uh, I love this Todd Allen family. (laughs) If you want some more of this, come tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. Be blessed. Amen. And tomorrow night we have Dexter Truesdale. He's from Jackson, Mississippi. He started an interracial church up there many years ago when it wasn't popular. He stayed there all these years. He's like the preacher you heard this morning. He's a preaching machine. You're going to be blessed tomorrow night when Brother Dexter comes. And then on Tuesday night, we have a preacher that probably most of you have never even heard of before. <laughs> you ever heard of Olive Baptist Church and Ted Trailer? <laughs> Tuesday night. And then Wednesday night, First Baptist Church Dave Snyder's coming to be here with us. I'm telling you this revival is a revival. Amen. Aren't you glad you came? Amen. 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 I want to thank Sue up there in the booth. She's the one that does all these things on the screen. And I wrote her a little note before I sent her the message text. I said, Sue, I've never preached with PowerPoint. So you know what probably that's going to mean. Not her, but me. Probably going to mess up somewhere along the way. But if I do, you still love me? Amen. You still love Jesus? Amen. Amen. Sue, did you get that first uh, that verse from Corinthians? Put that up there first, if you will. I added a verse late this afternoon. I wasn't sure if she was going to be able to put it in the program tonight. But I want you to look at the screen. Let me read 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not? your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be, King James says, reprobate. It could be translated counterfeit. Back here a few months ago, the church allowed me on Wednesday night to teach on the Holy Spirit, one of my favorite subjects. I can't tell you how many people came up to me either during the service, after the service, They said they had doubts about their salvation. Well, let me tell you something. Now, listen to me. Doubts are good. You hear me? The most important thing is not how long you live, how well you live, how financially blessed you have as long as you live. The most important thing in your life is when you leave this body, do you know 100% for sure I'm going to be with Jesus? There are a lot of people that don't know that. During that study on the Holy Spirit, several people came to me and said, Brother Shaman, I need to talk to you, and we did. I was saved at 14, and I didn't know I was lost. I was a good Methodist. Went to the Methodist church every time I could. When we moved out from uh, in the country out in Dawes, Alabama. Out from Mobile, there was no Methodist Church, and this family that just lived up the road ran a, a nursery—a excuse me, not a, a dairy. They drove a great big old black Packard, and they'd pick me up Sunday morning and Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and take me to church. I love church. I love preachers. I love preaching. I love singing. I love Jesus. And one Wednesday, one Sunday night. The evangelist, we were in revival, knocked on the door of our little classroom. We were having training union, and he said uh, to the teacher, uh, Can I borrow David? I just want to talk to him a little bit. She looked over at me and said, David, this preacher won't, this evangelist wants to talk to you. I jumped up. I, I love preachers. I love church. I love God. I love Jesus. I love the Bible. And I knew what he wanted. Here I am, a Methodist going to a Baptist church and he wants me to join the church (laughs) we walked outside that little block building there in Dawes I wore glasses back there he asked me this question he said David are you a Christian now if somebody should ask you that question I guarantee you your answer would be like mine was without a doubt yes I'm a Christian You're here because you are a Christian, more than likely. You're here because you believe you've been saved. You're here tonight because you think you've been born again. Forget the denominational title. I ain't got anything to do with it. And I told him that I was a Christian. And he asked me this question. And nobody had ever asked me this question before. He said, how do you know? Well, that was easy. I go to church, I read the Bible, I pray, I tithe, I don't cuss, I don't smoke, I I don't fool around with opposite sex. I told him how good I was. And I really thought he was going to reach over and pat me on the shoulder and say, David, that's wonderful. But he didn't. He said, David, you can do all that and not be a Christian. About this time, I thought he was picking on me because I was a Methodist. And I said, well, I'm going to tell you something, preacher. I don't know what else to do. I'm doing everything I know to do. And I was. I would not go to bed at night until I opened my Bible. And this was when you had to read your Bible daily. and You had to fill out a little slip in Sunday school. if you read your Bible every day? I wanted to be 100%. I opened my Bible to the daily Bible reading, I read my Bible, got on my knees beside my bed, 365 days of the year, never failed. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray thee, Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray thee, Lord, my soul to take. You ever pray that prayer? I prayed that prayer every night. And then you'd get to the God blesses. God bless mama. God bless, you know, you go through the God blesses. Amen. And I told him how good and how moral and how religious and how much I love Jesus and the Bible and the church. I thought he was going to pat me on the shoulder and say, David, that's wonderful. (laughs) But he didn't. He said, David, I got one question. All those prayers you prayed on your knees was there ever a time when you prayed, Jesus, come into my heart and save me? Tears started running down my face. I didn't know it at the time, but that was the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart telling me that the devil will let you be as good as you want to be, as religious as you want to be, Read the Bible, memorize scripture, go to church, pray, tithe, even be a preacher or a singer or a missionary. The devil will let you do any of that. It's just one thing Satan doesn't want you to find out. That you're lost. He asked me, he said, why are you crying? I said, I had never done that. I've never asked Jesus to come into my heart and save me. You know why? nobody had ever witnessed it me nobody had ever told me how to be saved i thought if you go to church you get baptized you're moral you're good you're religious you believe the, all that i thought that's what you had to do well that night the devil lost that night jesus won and he says david i'm gonna tell you something right here not right here tonight If you'll just ask Jesus to come into your heart and you ask him to save you, he'll do it. And he did it. (laughs) Amen, amen. I was 14 years old. I'm 85 years old. And I've never doubted I got born again as a 14-year-old boy. And one day when I stand before Jesus... He's not going to say, David, were you a preacher? That's not important. Did you tithe? That's not going to get you to heaven. Were you good? Were you moral? Were you religious? Did you get baptized? Yes, I, yes, 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 I did all that. And he'll say, it's not worth a plug nickel. You've got to be born again. Isn't that what he said to John? In the book of John, the third chapter, the good religious moral man by the name of Nicodemus, then he said, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus said, I can't go back into my mother's womb and be born. Jesus said, no, that's the birth of the flesh. I'm talking about the birth of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. I love Jesus. Because Jesus, first of all, loved me. Then he said, you want to be a Baptist? And I said, I got to think about that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 16. I know it's going to be on the screen. I'm, I'm going to brag on Sue. Sue Halfhill is a genius. She just knows how to do all this stuff. Now, you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. I had no idea what scripture our preacher this morning, Brother Oliver Kagel, was going to use as his text. I had no idea. Weeks ago, the Lord said, David, this is your text. Guess what it is? The same text from the same Scripture. But I'm not going to go over what he went over. We'll to pick up after that. I want you to look at Acts 16. The jailer brought them out and says, Sirs, what must I do? Finish it. Save. To be saved. Have you ever wondered how he knew he needed to be saved? Nobody ever gets saved until they get lost. And the only way you'll ever know you're lost is for the Holy Spirit to tell you that. That's called Holy Spirit conviction. Amen. And then the answer, and by the way, this is the only place in the whole Bible this question is ever asked. Right here. What must I do to be saved? That's the only time that question is ever asked. And the answer is in the next verse. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved and thy house. Amen. Are you taking notes? I'm gonna give you something you ought to write down. The word believe is the Greek word P-I-S-T-E-O-U. Pistuo. Pistuo. Believe. The Greeks had one word, and we have translated it. Believe, trust, and faith. We have three words that come from this same one word. So what does it mean to believe? Intellectually, yes, you can't leave out the mind, but it means with your heart. You come to Jesus and you say, I give up. We sing a song, All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. Why? Because I want Him to be my what? Lord, most people will answer that, I want Him to be my Savior. Now let me show you the difference. Saving you means you don't go to hell. Saving you means you go to heaven. I've never met anybody in my whole life in all the countries I've ever visited in never met anybody that said, I can't wait till I die because I want to go to hell. You haven't either. Nobody wants to go to hell. Everybody wants to go to heaven. But the question is, have you received Jesus not only as your Savior, but as your Lord. You with me? The word Lord is translating a Greek word, and you can read it in English. That's a K, as a U, as an R, that's an I, that's an O-S, kurios. That's an interesting thing. We in America do not understand the word Lord. We don't. There's only one way that I know that we ever use the word Lord, and it's with another word, land Lord, which means the Lord over the land. But the word Lord in the Christian century... In the time of Christ and just after he was resurrected from the dead, the word Lord in that culture meant owner, ruler, master. So when they answer his question, when he says, what must I do to be saved? They say, believe, put your faith in, trust in, surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's see over the next slide up there, Sue. The word kurios, Lord, is used 749 times in the New Testament. Any anytime a word used that much, what does that just automatically say to you? That's important. That's a biggie. I need to understand what this word means. I want you to notice that Paul, in his 13 letters, 279 times used the word kurios, Lord. It is used 108 times in the book of Acts. It is used 118 times as Lord Jesus. Not just Lord, but Lord Jesus. And it's used 84 times as Lord Jesus Christ. Let me try to explain what this means. If in this first Christian century... This jailer is having to think, do I want to believe in the Lord, master, ruler, owner, Jesus Christ? In order to do that, you know what he would have to do? He would have to reject the Roman government. He is a jailer in a Roman jail. And Paul and Silas are in his jail. And the earthquake came. And the prisoners, he thinks, have gotten a loose and He's about ready to commit Harry Carry suicide. And he says, wait, Paul says to him, don't you get out of here. Nobody's left. We're all still here. Sirs. What must I do to be saved? I want what you got. I believe that in my ministry of, what, 65 years now, I've led more people to Jesus because I love Jesus. I've started calling people who love Jesus the Jesus man. The Jesus woman. When I lost my precious Myra, the Lord led me to this jewel back here. I say she's more than a jewel. She's a diamond. But jewel is a Jesus woman. You know what a Jesus person is? That's someone who exudes Jesus. Jesus act like it. They live like it. They think like it. They behave like it. You don't ever hear them using profanity. You don't ever hear them getting mad and upset and having a hissy fit because they love Jesus. You're looking at a Jesus man right here. Are you a Jesus man or a Jesus woman? You are if you've ever let him become your Lord. Because in Matthew chapter 6 verse 24, Jesus is giving what we know as the Sermon on the Mount and he says, No man can serve two masters. You know what the word master is there? Kurios. You can't serve two masters. So the Philippian jailer is thinking, If I become a Christian... I've got to let this man called Jesus Christ become my kurios. I've got to let him become my Lord. I've got to let him become my master. Well, if I do that, Caesar cannot still be my master. I've got to decide. And so do we. You see, when we're lost, before we're saved, before we give our lives to Jesus, who do we belong to? Come on. Who? Most people won't admit that. You can't tell anybody that they belong to the devil and slap you across the face. You can't be the Holy Spirit to them. They've got to let God tell them that they're lost. You've got to let God tell them that they're a sinner separated from God and going to a devil's hell. You can't do it. Jesus has to do it through the person of the Holy Spirit. So this jailer's got a decision to make. Do I want Caesar to continue to be my master, my lord, my owner, my ruler? Or do I want this man by the name of Jesus to be my master? And then he remembered what Paul and Silas had been doing. Singing and praying and praising Jesus. After they had been beaten almost to death. And he wanted what they had. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is more caught than taught. Yes. Amen. Amen. You get around a Jesus person, they may not be as wild as this guy this morning. I mean, he, he's on fire preacher, right? <laughs> But he loves Jesus. You get around a person who loves Jesus and it doesn't take you long to realize they love Jesus. Amen? Let's go to the next slide. So let's see what we got up there. Go ahead. I I kind of covered that. Now, this is important. There cannot be a curios, a lord, a master, a ruler, an owner, without a here's another word you see it that's Greek but it's English d-o-u-l-o-s other than the preachers here how many of you know what that word do loss means you're a preacher you're a missionary you're supposed to know <laughs> I'm going to show you something This is a King James Bible. When I was ordained in 1958, Tolmanville Baptist Church gave me a Bible exactly like this. Zondervan, King James, large print. I wore that one out. This is my third Bible, but it's exactly the same thing as I had in the very beginning. This is The Word of God. Don't you deny that. When the King James was translated, this Bible, in 1611, guess what was happening in the world? You remember when the first slave came to America? Anybody know that date? 1619. First slave. But the slave traffic had been going on for years across Europe and in particular England. So when the translators of the King James came to this word, Dulos, they translated it servant. Now I love this, and I'm going to tell you why they did that. But that's not the translation of that word there's a Greek word for servant in fact there's a household servant a man servant a woman servant different servants but the word doulos doesn't mean servant who knows what it means Slave. slave so when the King James translators came to the word doulos in the Greek they said we can't translate that word slave you know why It was a horrible word. These Africans who won't board ship, if they got sick, they just threw them overboard. They beat them. They sold them. They raped them. They murdered them. It was a horrible word. So you're not going to put a word like that in God's holy word, are you? Because it is so distasteful. It's so despicable. But that is not the society we live in today. We ought to look at this word right here, doulos, as to what it really means. If I want Jesus Christ to become my Lord, if I want Him to be my master, if I want Him to take me to heaven when I die, I have got to surrender to Him as my master. Therefore, I am His. You got it? Now let me show you something. You cannot have a doctor without patients. You cannot have a coach without a team. You can't have a teacher without students. You can't have a husband without a wife. You cannot have kurios without a doula. You get that? So if we let Jesus become our master, our ruler, our owner, what we're saying is, Jesus, I want to be obedient to you. Not in the horror of the slave trade, but in the relationship of love. I love that children's song. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. The little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Amen. Amen. So it's a relationship of love. Let me ask you this question. What good thing has a devil ever done for you? What good thing has the devil ever done for you? He's lied to you. He's deceived you. You drink this beer and oh, it'll just be so good. You ever drink your first beer and say, boy, this is so good. I bet you didn't. A person who smoked their first cigarette said, oh, this is so wonderful. No, you didn't do that. You built a taste for the smoking and the drinking and the cussing and the lying and the stealing and the cheating. And the devil just said, come on, come on, come on. Because everything you did bound you tighter and tighter to sin and Satan. And Jesus one day came along and he says, I'm going to set you free. But you've got to be willing for him to be curious. So you can be do You got that? Let's go to the next slide. So See where we are here. If you were to open your Bible. Paul in Romans 1-1. Philippians 1-1. Titus 1-1. Not James. All of those passages of scripture. In the very first verse of the first chapter. King James translates it servant. But it's the word do Paul said, I am a slave of Jesus Christ. And then James, you know who James was? Someone tell me, who who was James? Jesus' brother, pastor of the First Baptist Church in Jerusalem. In James 1.1, he said, he's a slave of Jesus Christ. And then we come over here to Peter in 2 Peter 1.1. He says the same thing, Jude in the first verse of the book of Jude, who is Jude? Anybody know who Jude is? They say he was the brother of Jesus, just like James was. And he said he was a slave. And then we come over to the Revelation. Revelation. All through the New Testament, you have these men of God, these apostles, these disciples, these people who are out giving their lives for Jesus and they say, My Lord, my Master is Jesus Christ and I am His. Period. You see, when I got saved as a 14-year-old boy, I didn't have any idea what the word Lord meant. Nobody ever explained to me, Lord. Can I tell you a little secret? You don't have to know what the word means. You just have to do what it says. Amen. Amen. Next slide, Sue. I want you all, if you have a Bible, to turn to this verse. (laughs) As uh, Brother Oliver said this morning, this is going to knock your socks off. In Acts chapter 2... On the day of Pentecost, you remember that? When the Holy Spirit came down, everybody's speaking all these different languages. Peter stands up and he preaches. And here's just a portion of his sermon. In verse 37 of Acts 2. Now when they heard this, they were pricked, King James says, literally stabbed in their heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What had just been said when they heard this? Well, go back to verse above that. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God, the Father, hath made that same Jesus, the Son, whom you have crucified... What? Two things. Both Lord and Messiah. The word Christ is Messiah. There's a little interesting thing. Brother Josh and I were talking about this just before the service tonight. Somewhere write down this number. 6,828. 6,820. Someone tell me what that number relates to in the Old Testament. That's the number of times that the word Lord, all capitals, appears in the Old Testament. 6,820. Which translates a Hebrew word, best we know to pronounce it as Yahweh. It's translated Jehovah. Did you, get, did you follow that? I know some of you don't want to learn anything, but six thousand eight hundred twenty eight times in the Old Testament, Jehovah's name is translated into King James' capital Lord LORD, all, all capitals. Somewhere around three or four hundred BC, in Alexandria, Egypt, there were a group of Jewish scholars who said, "We have got to take the Hebrew. And put it into Greek. There's so many people who don't read Hebrew. Don't understand Hebrew. Don't speak Hebrew. Let's take it out of the Hebrew. Let's put it into Greek. And when they came to the word Yahweh. Jehovah. And put it into the Greek. Guess what word they used? Kurios. Which means what? And so on the day of Pentecost when Peter stands up and he preaches and he says to these thousands and thousands of Jews who've come here for the festival, he says, Jesus Christ is not only the Messiah, but he is Kurios. And in the Jews' mind, that's what in the Old Testament? He's God. He's Father. He's Yahweh, Jehovah. And when they heard that, 3,000 people fell on their knees and got saved. You say, Brother Sheldon, I didn't know all this. Well, I'm glad you're here. Really. The word Lord has been so misunderstood that it's terrible that we Christians don't really understand that it means master, ruler, owner and if he is my Lord I am his slave and if you're not you ain't you got that? Sue let's go to the next verse. When did you let Jesus become your Lord? Another way of saying that, when were you saved? I wish we could get away from, I'm going to call it trickery. You see, I've been a Baptist pastor a long time, since I was 20. And Baptist preachers want people to be saved. We want people to be born again. We want people to go and go to heaven. I've never met a Baptist preacher yet that wanted anybody to go to hell. You don't ever say anybody go to hell. Don't ever say that. If you're gonna ball them out, say go to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. That's a lot better. <laughs> when did you let Jesus? come into your heart and take over your life when there has to be a time has to be a place has to be a moment has to be an event you say well i don't remember the day you don't have to remember the day if somebody didn't write down your birthday you wouldn't have known when you were born somebody wrote it down And if nobody wrote down the day you got saved, you don't know what it was on the calendar. But you'll never forget that it happened. When you get saved, you know it. You change masters. And Jesus becomes Lord. Next slide. I want you to read this with me. If you would ask me, Brother Schauffner, what's your favorite verse? That's it. There's 13 words in Romans 10 13 in the King James. Let's read it together. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, there's two shalls. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, if you've ever done that, just say, Jesus, here it is. Here's my birth certificate right here. Amen. Whosoever, anybody, that shall call us to pray and ask Jesus to become your what? Lord. It didn't say, whosoever shall call on the name of Jesus. Did it? I'm looking at it. did it say Jesus? Did it say Jesus Christ? Did it say God the Father? Did it say, Father God? No, it said, on the name of the Lord. And that means what it says. and says what it means. Jesus must be your Lord. He's got to be. And He'll only be if you want Him to be. Amen. I've done many a wedding. Oh, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I have had marriage counselors counseling, excuse me, this couple. Oh, I love her so much. Oh, I love him so much. Five minutes later, they don't love each other at all. This is not emotional. This is genuine. This is from my heart. Jesus, you died for me on that old rugged cross you love me Jesus you shed your blood for me I don't understand all that but Jesus you said that if I would just call on you and that you become my Lord you'd save me and he will and if you've done Romans 10 13 he did Amen. You know what being a Baptist is worth when you stand at the great white throne? Zero. You say, well, I've been baptized. I know people who have been baptized more than one. I remember over at West Pensacola, I baptized one little young lady three times. After that third time, I said, Judy, I'm not going to baptize you no more. (laughs) Baptism doesn't wash away your sin. It's the blood of Jesus. Amen. You can walk down an aisle and cry a bunch of tears down here at the altar and you think that's conversion. No. Not unless you give your heart to Jesus. you got to be born again. And it's the Holy Spirit doing it. It's not a preacher shouting. It's not a mama crying. It's not a daddy spanking you and telling you what you got to do. you got to do it yourself because you want Jesus Amen. to take over your life. Amen. I'm so thankful for that revival in Dawes, Alabama. If it hadn't been for that revival, I'd have probably grown up and been a good Methodist. Moral, religious. But it wouldn't have been saved. There has to be a win for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. When Did you do that? You got to do it. And when you do it, no more doubts. Amen? Amen. Their doubts are gone. But I don't remember that preacher's name. I'm not even sure of the exact year. I think it was 1952 and it was hot summer. But one of these days, when the road is called up yonder, I'm going to find him. He may find me. And I'm going to go over to him and I said, Preacher, if it hadn't been for you, I'd have still been lost. But you love me enough to not take my goodness for an answer, not to take my morality for an answer. You stayed with me till you showed that I had to be born again. And I'll never forget it because I became a new creature in Christ. How about you? Think about that. And I want to give you this challenge. If you have any doubts, any doubts, I'm here. God's here brother Josh is here other guys ladies in our church if we can help you settle any doubts that's why we're here amen Amen. let's pray Jesus you are Lord you're my Lord and I'm your slave I belong to you Jesus I'm not worth it I'm not worthy I'm not good enough I'll never be good enough but you saved me as a 14 year old boy you changed my life and never would I've chosen to be a preacher But because you saved me, Lord, I am one. And I wouldn't change that for anything in the world. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. There may be someone here tonight who's having doubts about their salvation. We want to help them get rid of those doubts. May your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts and tell us what we should do. And then may we have the courage. We may even be a visitor. But may we have the courage to step out into any one of these aisles and come forward and say, I'm having doubts. I want you to help me. In the precious name of Jesus.